Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships, so we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Good morning. Happy Easter. Hey, I am so stoked to be here uh, here with you today in this place. If you remember back a year ago, uh, we were all sitting at home eating waffles and watching this on a video. And so I'm thrilled uh, to be gathering with you. And if you're joining us online, welcome. We're thrilled to have you here this morning. Today is Easter. As I said, this is the day set aside where we remember and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and King Jesus Christ. And I want you to keep this in mind today. Uh, you're not alone here. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, estimates would be about 2.5 billion Christians are gathering all around the globe today to remember this day and to celebrate. And so that's big C stuff, man. That's the whole church gathering and, and uh, just celebrating the fact that we serve a king who didn't go in the grave and stay, but he rose again. And uh, so today we're kicking off a new series entitled Graves in the Gardens. Would you grab your Bible, head over to John chapter 20. Head over to John chapter 20. We're going to be in verses 19 through 21 today. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time. Uh, if you don't know all about this celebration, what this weekend represents uh, last Friday, we gathered and had a service, and we remembered the cross of Jesus Christ. We, we were um, just remembering and reflecting on the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He paid our price voluntarily, gave up his life, sacrificed himself so that we could have a right relationship with him. And then you fast forward a few days, and you come to Easter morning. And in Scripture, what we see is Mary and Martha going to the tomb, and they find it empty. And of course, that disturbs them. They're not sure what's going on, so they run all the way back. They tell the disciples, and then John and Peter have a foot race, and they run all the way to the tomb and check it out. They find out that what they said was exactly right. It's empty. They find the clothes uh, that are folded right there, but Jesus is nowhere to be found. And then they return back to the other disciples, and they give them the report. And so here it is on Easter morning, and the disciples are in a room together. And you're going to find out here real quick that they're actually hiding in a room. They're afraid. Things have changed. It's not the same as it was before. Uh, they're wondering how things have gotten this bad. I mean, what just happened over the last few days? And, and will things ever return to normal? Th things change so quickly. Uh, a year earlier, they could have never guessed or imagined how things would have been on that morning. Uh, now, I, I wonder sometimes if we're not in the same boat. Uh, if you remember back a year ago, we couldn't believe that we were not able to gather together for services, and, and we were all separated and staying home and watching this on our TV. Uh, th there was a lot of anxiety for the disciples as they gathered in that room because they weren't sure what tomorrow looked like. They were filled with fear because of an uncertain future. And, and uh, if you don't know what anxiety is or fear, it's actually the heightened sense of vulnerability plus a diminished sense of power. The reason I bring that up is because I, I struggled last year in not doing Easter with you. I struggled with that. 
And yet now you fast forward an entire year, we look at this, and, and my question is this, I wonder if God wasn't using that to give us a deeper level of understanding or a greater sense of that first Easter so that we might understand Easter a little bit better. See, on that first Easter, everything was shut down. They, they were locked inside. They, they were terrified. They were scared. They didn't know what tomorrow held for them. And after Jesus had been crucified, they, they took his body, they placed it in a tomb, and we find his disciples hiding and filled with fear. Take a look at this, verse 19. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were afraid. They were scared. They were wondering how things uh, had gone so bad. Because just a week earlier, there was so much promise, wasn't there? I mean, last week, if you were here on Palm Sunday, uh, you know that a week prior, Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a donkey, and, and the disciples marching in with him, and, and the entire city came out to greet Jesus. They were worshiping and praising him and celebrating him and calling him their new king, and they were laying down palm branches and coats, and, and it was a great celebration. And within not even a week, we go from that scene to this one, where they're behind locked doors. They're hiding because they're afraid. They're, they're scared. And it, it just seems like everything's been turned upside down. Jesus has been crucified and placed in a tomb. And with Jesus, all of their hopes, all of their dreams for the future with him. I wonder if we could enter into that locked room and talk to the disciples. I, I think they would say something like this. Um, I don't know what just happened. I have no clue what just happened. Like, like it wasn't supposed to go this way. We, we, had, we had big plans. I don't understand why we're going through this. I, I think they would say something like this. Nothing is going the way it's supposed to. Can anyone relate to that at all? I mean, I know I can. Nothing is going the way it's supposed to. I think if there was ever a sentence that actually described life, that's probably it. Nothing is going the way it's supposed to. And this is a normal uh, MO for us every day. It never goes the way that we planned. Uh, we find ourselves questioning all the time, what is happening? Uh, it didn't go the way I planned. I, want, I wanted something better. I had better plans than this. And what's interesting about that is it should have surprised them. Because just a little bit earlier in the book of, of John, back in chapter 16, Jesus was actually telling his disciples that they would face trials of many kinds. He said, you're going to experience a lot of different sorrows. This is going to be part of the life here on earth. But yet, when it all happened, when those trials finally hit, we find them hiding in a room, afraid, struggling to make sense of all of it. And maybe you've been there. Maybe Life has taken a bad turn once or twice in your life. You, you've just found yourself uh, where your head is just spinning. What just happened? I had better plans. It didn't go the way I had planned. Struggling to make sense of it. Maybe even like the disciples, um, hiding in a room, afraid. Because you're not sure what tomorrow looks like. Uh, maybe you've been there. Nothing is going the way it's supposed to. In those moments, let me ask you whether it was in the past or maybe you're going through it right now. In that moment, what did you need more than anything? What's the thing that you needed the most? Uh, look at what Jesus does, second part of verse 19. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Peace 
be with you. See, I think of those moments, Jesus knows exactly what we need more than anything. We need peace in that moment. When, when everything's spiraling out of control, nothing's going the way it's supposed to, we need the peace of God, and Jesus offers that. It's one of the great things about Easter. We know that no matter what happens, that we have God's peace. We can have his peace going through whatever circumstance it is that you're going through right now. You can have his peace, and I believe that's what Jesus would tell us this morning. He would say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Um, peace be with you who made plans last year and you had to cancel them. Uh, peace be with you who uh, you cleaned your house and 20 minutes later it looks like a war zone. Peace be with you, th- those of you that um, were lonely before COVID ever hit and now after an entire year of this mess, you feel like you're the only one. Peace be with you college student who you finally got on your own. You moved away from home only to have to move back home, not because you wanted to, but because you had to. Peace be to you, uh, the one who loves structure and routine, because that, that was just trash this last year, wasn't it? Peace be with you, families who spent way too much time together, right? Or maybe it's the opposite of it. Uh, Peace be with you, families who didn't get to spend any time together. Uh, Peace be with you, those of you who have lost someone and you didn't feel like you could adequately celebrate their life. You weren't allowed to. I think Jesus would tell us this morning, peace be with you. No matter what it is that you're going through, peace be with you. See, Jesus knows us, and and in those moments, uh, he knows what we need most, and he can bring that type of peace into our lives. Uh, Some of us, though, we need something else on Easter Sunday morning. Uh, Verse 20, continuing, it says, As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. See, I think for so many people, we need proof. Like, we we want proof that this happened. And and most of us, uh, we... We want something tangible, something we can put our hands on. I love this scene because Jesus is standing there in his resurrected body, and he's still showing them his wounds, the ones in his hands and the one in his side. And I love what Pastor Mike said at the Good Friday service. He was talking about when we all get to heaven and we're in our perfected bodies, Jesus is going to be the only one standing there in his perfected body that still has wounds, and it's going to be a reminder for us of the price that he paid for our souls. But here on earth, um, if you want tangible, something that you can put your hands on, proof of Jesus' resurrection, I don't think you have to look any further than just life transformation. If you're a part of MVF here, you know this. Uh, You just look around. You can see life transformation everywhere. We have people in here who can just, they can testify to the fact of a life that has been redeemed. Whether it's been lost, whether it was... uh, addictions, whatever it is that that Jesus, because he's alive and he works in in and through his people, he has entered into the situation and he has redeemed their life. We have others that can testify to to marriages that have been rescued from the brink of divorce. Marriages that were going down the wrong path and because they both turned towards Jesus, Jesus brought them back together and he rescued their marriage. We have other people who can testify to a relationship that's been restored. And sometimes many, many years have gone by. They wouldn't even speak to each other. And because of the work that Jesus did on the cross and and, and by emptying out the tomb, because he is a God who is alive and active and working through his Holy Spirit, he has restored those relationships. And those are life transformations that testify to a resurrected king. Jesus takes our mess. He takes our wounds. 
and he makes them beautiful. He takes our graves and he turns them into gardens. But see, none of this would be possible if Jesus was still in that tomb. This is all testimony to a resurrected Jesus. Uh, I think even as a church, though, it's not just about individuals. It's about us as a body of believers, as a church. I watched you last year, and when things got really tough, when things got really dark, I watched as time and time again how you stepped up and became the feet and hands of Jesus to each other and to the community around us. And I think all of that is also testimony to a resurrected Jesus, one who is alive and active and working in and through his people. How how are we supposed to respond to that? How, How do we respond to a resurrected king. Continuing verse 20, it says, they were filled with what? Joy. When they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I love the fact that Jesus says, peace be with you twice. It's like, man, you really need this right now. Peace be with you. Oh, and again, peace be with you, in case you didn't catch it the first time. But it says that they were filled with joy, a joy. And can I just remind you, this is fascinating to me. Um, Jesus is standing in the middle uh, of that room. He suddenly appears to them. Uh, Have their circumstances changed much, their outside circumstances? No. See, if you continue to read the story, you're going to find out that the outside circumstances don't change at all. Like everything stays the same. They're, They're still persecuted. The threats will still continue. The things that cause them all the fear and anxiety, they won't go away. And actually, I can make an argument that they escalate over time. The storm didn't give way to clear skies, but what they found in the midst of the storm is a peace and a joy and a purpose that is found in a hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. So first point I want to make this morning, because of Jesus' resurrection, we can live with this peace, joy, and purpose right now. See, I've heard so many people talk about Christianity as though it's just someday, someday, It's not someday, it's right here, right now. It starts right now. Because the resurrection of Jesus means that there's more to this life than what we can see. Uh, We have a hope that goes way beyond this life. uh, It's through this resurrection that we're made right with God right now, and we can begin to enjoy that peace that he offers. Peace be with you. We can enjoy that right now, regardless of what circumstances you're going through. And I know some of you in here, you're going through some very difficult circumstances. And Jesus suddenly appears and he says, peace be with you. We can have that peace and that joy now. Um, Now, we also have eternal life. We've been given eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ as well. And I want us to stop and think about uh, all of this in context, just for one minute, all right? So this last year, we've had a crisis. We've been struggling to get through this entire year. I know many of you have lost jobs. Many of you have lost friends and family. But let me just put this in context. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that we have peace now, and we have peace, joy, and purpose, uh, not just now, but for eternity, um, let me ask you, what is the thing that worries us the most about all the things that we're struggling with? Uh, the things that we fought, like COVID, right? Some of you are battling diseases. Some of you uh, are fighting cancer right now. Let me, let me ask you, what's the, the worst thing that could happen in those scenarios? Worst case scenario is what? Death. It's death, right? But see, as a believer in Jesus Christ, because of the empty tomb, um, the worst case scenario actually becomes the best case scenario. Now, let me put it to you this way. Uh, the, be, the end of life is not the end. The end of life is the beginning of eternity. 
It starts the good part. In this life, we're going to face trial and sorrow, but there's a day coming when we will pass away and we will enter into the presence of God and spend eternity with Him. And that is the beginning of the good stuff. The worst case scenario becomes the best case scenario. This is the difference that Jesus' resurrection makes. It takes our graves and it turns them into gardens. Jesus said it in John chapter 11, I am the, the resurrection and the life. Anyone who, what, believes in me will live even after dying. Now, I, w- I want to just make sure that we're very clear on this. Uh, for those of you that don't know Christ, you're, you're an unbeliever, a non-believer. The difference between some of the people sitting around you that are Christians is that they believe. See, to move from a non-Christian to a Christian, it's simple as this. Move from a non-believer to a believer. That's it. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, so that whoever, what, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's not about behavior. It's not about straightening up your life so that you can, you can be presentable to Jesus. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for you, that he rose again. And he paid for your sins, and he wants to spend eternity with you. Um, death in that moment no longer scares you. Actually, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I love this about Paul because he's mocking death. Like, he's talking trash to death. That's the difference the resurrection of Jesus makes. I mean, you, you don't have to fear death anymore. He, he's talking trash to death because he knows that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has defeated death once and for all. He doesn't have to fear it. And Paul, it, he knew what, what trials looked like. He knew what sorrow looked like. His life, he's got a whole chapter written out about all the struggles that he's had in his life. He was shipwrecked. How many of you have been shipwrecked? Not many in Colorado, right? He's shipwrecked not just once, but three times. Like once wasn't enough. He had to do it three times. Uh, he's, he's faced persecution like you and I probably would never even dream of facing. He was arrested multiple times. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned and left for dead. He was thrown into jail more times than, than I can count. I mean, he knew what trials in, in life looked like. And what does he say? He says, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Like, you can't scare me. Why? Because Jesus has risen. He hollowed out the grave. On the cross, Jesus suffered the pain of the world. He he breathed his last breath and he died and, and his body was laid in a tomb for three days. And in that tomb, Jesus was putting an end to all suffering and death once and for all. He was taking care of all of it so that we wouldn't have to worry about it. In that tomb, Jesus was having the final word. Even on the cross, his statement, it is finished. He said it, and he meant it. And on that third day, Jesus rose from the tomb, and he overcame death. The empty tomb means that you and I have hope that cannot be shaken. You and I have a peace and a joy and a purpose because of Jesus. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we can live with peace, joy, and purpose, not just now, but for eternity. It doesn't go away. We we don't have to re-up or anything. I mean, this takes us all the way through this life and into eternity. Revelation says that in heaven, that there will be no more tears, 
No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no, no more pain. And I think so often we hear that and we go, man, what a great time that will be. But we truly don't understand that sometimes. So I, I like to put it in our own terms. Many times I'll just read through that and then I'll just try to tie it to stuff that I know to be true here and now. Uh, do you know what else will not be in heaven? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, be, because he overcame death, um, the things that won't be in heaven, things like Parkinson's disease. There'll be no, par- no more diseases. There'll be no more death row, no more cancer, no more divorce, no more rejection, no more loneliness, no more depression, no more wheelchairs. We won't need those anymore. No more radiation or chemo treatments, no more suicide bombers, no more school shootings, no more anxiety, no more middle-of-the-night phone calls that drive you to your knees, no more crosses on the side of the road, no more child abuse or rape, no more coughing, viruses, quarantines, or masks. Wow. Got an applause for that one. No more, uh, let's try this one. No more love handles or saddlebags. Okay. Uh, No more shaving or waxing. How do you like that? You guys are an easy audience. No more traffic. No more addictions. No more embarrassing moments. No more autism. No more taxes or bills or politicians. No more funerals. No more orphanages. No more nursing homes. There'll be no more waiting rooms, no more courtrooms, no more foreclosures, no more, this one's for me, motionless ultrasounds that lead to tiny caskets. There'll be no more shame, no more conflict, no more confusion. Listen to me, no more loss, none. Do we truly understand what the, the, empty tomb means Jesus said in Revelation it says look I am making everything new none of this will exist in eternity what do we have to fear nothing why because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ this is how we maintain our hope we keep our focus on Jesus the one who died for our sins and the one who rose from the grave and overcame death so we have nothing to fear Our hope is not in anything in this world. It's found in Jesus and in his resurrection. Now, why is this so important? Because I know here we are on Easter Sunday morning, and I know there are some of you in here who are, you're like the disciples this morning. You're hiding. You might not be hiding in a room that's locked, but you might be hiding behind a facade or a lie. You might be hiding from the truth. And, and here we are um, on Easter Sunday morning, and um, you find yourself in this room. And I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's Easter, and you just felt like you had to go to church on Easter. Or maybe uh, one of your neighbors or friends invited you because they told you there was free donuts and coffee out in the lobby. I don't know. Or they're going to buy you lunch afterwards, right? Um, but but here's, here's what I want to tell you. Um, I don't know why you're hiding Maybe it's because you've rejected Christ your entire life. Or maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe you had a good relationship with Christ when you were younger and you've drifted away from that. I believe that 
in this moment. Um, verse 19 is so critical. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. See, I, I believe this. I believe there's some of you in here today that you came in here for whatever reason. You're hiding. And I think, I pray, suddenly, Jesus appears to you. Like you meet him face to face. And I believe that Jesus wants to do the same thing on this Easter that he did on that first Easter. I believe he wants to show up and he wants to meet you right where you're at. I believe that he wants to come in and he wants to reverse the curse of sin in your life. He wants to replace your fear with faith. He wants to uh, take your anxiety and he wants to give you peace. He wants to replace your anger with joy. He wants to give you a purpose. You know what I believe that Jesus wants to do for you today? Uh, I believe that he wants to take your graves and he wants to turn them into gardens. If you'll just let him. And my question is this. Do you believe and will you receive? I'm going to ask everyone just to bow their heads and close their eyes just for a minute. As we talked about, this idea of, of receiving Christ is about believing. And it's nothing more. There's no special formula in Scripture. It's just a, a putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and acknowledging who he is. And so I'm just going to ask, if you've never received Christ today, um, if you just want to repeat this prayer after me, um, and just receive Christ today, this would be the greatest step you could ever make in this life, because it will take you into eternity. Um, would you just pray this? You don't have to pray it out loud, you can just pray it to yourself, because it's between you and God anyway, but if you just pray a prayer like this, God, I believe that you love me, that you sent your son to die for me. I believe he died for my sins and he rose again so that I could have forgiveness and eternal life. I put my trust in you. I ask that you would forgive my sins and I will follow you the rest of my life. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, you have moved from a non-believer to a believer, from a non-Christian to a Christian, You've moved from outside of God's family into God's family. And I want to I know about that because we want to encourage you. We want to help you take some next steps. And so if you would just fill out a connection card, let us know. If you don't know how to do that, just stop by the information booth. We'll help you out. And then I want you to take the next step, which is to be baptized. Next Sunday evening, we're doing a service. We're going to be doing baptisms then. I want you to take that step and begin this journey with Jesus. I pray that you'll just follow him in this. Come out of hiding and let him give you the peace that he offers because he is our resurrected king. Can I pray for us real quick? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and in this moment of um, just worship and proclaiming who you are, I pray that you would meet with us right where we're at, each and every person. And God, I pray that uh, we would sense your Holy Spirit in a very tangible way. God, may we draw close to you because we know it says that when we draw close to you, that you will draw close to us. And Lord, on this Easter, we thank you. Thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for being a God who loves us so much that you gave your life for us and then rose again so we could spend eternity with you. God, we're here to proclaim that, to celebrate that. We just ask that you would receive this worship as an offering. Uh, may you smile upon our worship. We pray this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said.